Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Welcome to To The Point. This is part two of a two-part episode with Mike Gruss, editor of Fifth Domain. He was on episode 53 with us. Phil Goldstein, senior editor for FedTech and State Tech Magazines. He was in episode 54 with us. And Nico Fischbach, our CTO of ForcePoint. We're going over the ForcePoint 2020 predictions where we asked our cybersecurity researchers, engineers, and strategists, and even me, to predict what they believe will impact cybersecurity, the cybersecurity landscape over the next 12 months. Last week, we covered deepfakes as a service. We covered 5G. Candidly, Nico, I thought those were kind of uh, not givens. I, I loved our perspectives on it, but uh, they, they certainly weren't challenging from the perspective of, of challenging the authority. Cloud smart, cloud dumb. We're, we're, we're saying our, our people are cloud dumb when they're rolling us out. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you introduce the topic to us? Yes, thank you, Eric, and uh, good to be back again. Uh, we still have a few to go, so uh, let, let's dive in. You know, cloud, cloud smart versus cloud dumb. Actually, I think you came up with that one, Eric. Um, I did, and that's why it's a little more controversial maybe than exactly. most. Exactly. Let, let's so. push some buttons here, guys. <laughs> so I think, you know, the, the cloud smart side is, is pretty key. I mean, you know, everybody is shifting to the cloud. You know, we are in our private lives, enterprises are. Uh, the government is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jedi in the U.S. recently, and we hear a lot about Jedi, you know, also outside of the U.S. I mean, there's going to be a massive shift to uh, public cloud services um, in the next decade. And it's just the beginning. I think in the government space, you know, some, you know, players have been around for a very, very long time. But, you know, what, what happens is that, you know, it's, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say, you know, it's cloud dumb. I, I would say that, you know, we haven't had a chance yet to educate and to train many people on how different, you know, cloud security is because the technology stack is so different from what used to be technology on-prem. You know, we've been building data centers, servers, racks, you know, hosted applications for so long, right? And um, the, the learning curve, you know, to move and to consume um, infrastructure services, you know, platform as a service or SaaS services, is significant, right? So I wouldn't call it dumb. Like, it's like saying that, yeah, you know, the, the user is the weakest link of the chain, you know, in the chain. I think, you know, same is here, you know, with this prediction. I think, you know, more than a prediction, it's a call to action. We need to educate, you know, more people about what the cloud is, how different it is, and guys, you know, get your basics right. You know, even so, it, you know, and honestly, I think that's pretty much true. The, the base security you're going to get from any security provider in the cloud or any public cloud provider is going to be better than what you can build in-house. Full stop, especially over time. They are better. They know to do that scale. They know how to automate it. They're but faster. You, they're faster, but you, know, you need to understand the dependencies you have and the transitive trust that creates and what's on you in terms of security you know, when it comes to protecting your applications and protecting your data. And what's on them? You know, exposing your S3 bucket in AWS with all your company data, all your probably data. probably not a good idea, right? It's it's a very bad idea, but you know okay. that happens all the time. You know, look at all the breaches. You know, sounds dumb to me. Public, you know, it happens all the time, right? So, 
again, more than a prediction, to me, it's a call to action. You know, let's train people to understand the cloud stack. Okay, so Mike, I'm going to ask you, are we, are we being cloud dumb? Or is, are you seeing that? You disagree, agree? What are your thoughts? No, I thought, I, you know, I liked, I liked this prediction. And, and here's what I, here's oh, how I thought. Oh, always nice to nuzzle up to the host there. Thank you. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. But here, here's what I think we're seeing. And this isn't necessarily with the IT community, but maybe with the, the broader government Business. community. With, yeah, and which is that I think everyone understands there are, there are benefits and efficiencies to moving to the cloud. But I do feel like there that because there is maybe less physical infrastructure in front of them that they say, oh, well, this is the, the this security's concern is not so much ours. And I feel like the risk there is that all of the security uh, responsibilities are going to be pushed to the cloud providers. And, and, and I don't that's not I the case. Right. Right. And so that's where that's where I think when we talk about cloud smart or cloud dumb, you know, I think to trust, to entirely trust a cloud provider for all of your security is cloud dumb. And, you know, I, I, I just think it's, I think that the cloud is, especially at a government level, still kind of a, a, a shiny new toy in front of them. And that you, you know, even a document that came out, I was just rereading this, um, the DOD cloud strategy, which is like December, 2018. Yes, There's hardly right. any mention of security in it. There's just a, there's a ton of talk about oh what can be gained from the cloud and so I think I think that's I, I think that's a real risk and potentially uh, potentially short sighted. No, I agree. When I meet with customers, you you know it's it was cloud first. So how do we get everything into the cloud? And then cloud smart, a big piece of it is what should be in the cloud. Um, I, I think we need to spend a lot more time on the risk, though. And a lot of times when we move to the cloud, we, we do it without IT knowing about it, with the shadow IT components. It's easy. It's fast. It starts out at least cheap. And, and we just miss security. Phil, have you, uh, have you had interviews? Have you met with people? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I would agree uh, with what you and Mike are saying. Um, I think that um, sometimes security is... Uh, definitely an afterthought when it comes to um, moving data and applications and workloads to the cloud. Um, you know, I, I, in talking with uh, both government officials and folks from cloud providers, you know, they point out, yes, you know, the cloud providers do provide, um, you know, security for their infrastructure, but it's still your data uh, as, you know, the government entity that is being, hosted and so you know you need to wrap all the protections that you would wrap around your data if it was in you know an on-premise environment uh in the cloud and um you know i think that uh, with the focus that has been put on protecting high value assets across the government in the last year to year and a half um, that's going to become even more important as more data uh gets shifted to the cloud you know, that's likely going to include some data that, you know, is considered um, a high value asset. I would bet that most of that is going to remain, um, you know, on-prem, but some of it probably isn't, and that data needs to be protected. Um, so I, I would argue so, with you there. My, the customers I talk to, especially mm -hmm. from a security or an IT perspective, they tend to have very little knowledge of the value of the data, which makes it really hard to apply risk. 
considerations to the sure. So, you know, IT seems to be divorced from the data in, in, in many cases. In fact, I'd say the preponderance of cases, they, they just aren't that entwined with the business. And, and there's a lot of critical data, PII, sensitive data, CUI in the government space that's already going to the cloud. And it's, I, I think a lot of it's lack of understanding of what it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with another trend that we're starting to see in government, which is a real push for um, agencies and users, employees to become much more data literate, um, you know, and yeah. not that everybody's going to become a data scientist overnight, but to become much more knowledgeable about the data that uh, the agency has, that they have access to. Um, you know, and what those risk classifications need to be for different kinds of data. Um, you know, everybody talks about using, you know, cybersecurity framework from NIST and, you know, the NIST risk management framework, um, you know, which I think are incredible, uh, incredibly valuable tools, um, but they actually need to be used and, and put into to practice. You can't just say, oh, yeah, everybody should do it and that nobody does. No, absolutely. And, and, and there's certain places where we, we had Andy Wall on a couple months back from the UK, National Office of Statistics. Um, you know, they want to share everything. It's, it's the people's data. So they know what they're sharing because they want to share everything. And then, you know, from the intelligence and DOD side, it's very easy if it's classified. But, but there is a lot in the middle. So I, I do agree and disagree with you, but there's a lot in the middle. Yeah. Okay, Nico, anything else on cloud smart, cloud dumb? Was I too, too over the no, top? No, no, I think you have a lot of opinions on that one. You know, I can totally see it was yours, right? So, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, you have a good lead in, you know, you know, moving the conversation from the infrastructure side of the house to, uh, to data, you know, which uh, I think is the, uh, is the next um, topic we're going to talk about more. Yeah, so let's introduce that. So the, uh, the, uh, the fourth prediction we're going to talk about is you know, a change we, we need to see in the industry and is for both, you know, business and governments to mature their approach to data and privacy programs. Um, you know, for, you know, the last couple of years now, I think, you know, most of, most of us have been watching, you know, to see what's happening, you know, in terms of GDPR, in terms of CCPA in the US, you know, I think I would let you guys chip in on maybe some more government specific ones uh, that, I, that I'm not aware about. But, Basically, people are like, you know, it's never going to hit me, right? And they took a very, for most of them, a very reactive approach or a very reactive process. Say, we will try to mitigate when we get hit, right? Rather than taking a proactive approach, which is to understand where your data is, to classify and label your data, to overlay, you know, uh, data protection programs or information protection programs over it, to uh, look at the privacy angle and how you manage privacy both internally when it comes to you know, privacy by design and the various methods, as well as you know, what does it mean in terms of the people who are impacted, you know, you know, uh, the, uh, the employees in the federal agencies, in the government, you know, the citizens in the countries. So uh, you know, take a much more proactive approach. So uh, you know, the prediction is very much that you know, both businesses and governments, you know, We'll actually tackle this, you know, end to end, and look at it, you know, from this, you know, point of view, and not just like, oh, there's something we need to comply with, you know, what's the bare minimum we need to do to not be hit, or if we get hit, to minimize, you know, 
the impact, you know, whatever the impact is, you know, financially uh, to the business or I know in terms of exposure, right? So uh, the prediction is that you know, the, uh, the DPO role, the data privacy officer role is gonna become much more prevalent in, terms, in the organizations. There will probably be the, the DPOs in the governments, in the federal agencies. Maybe they exist today, I'm actually not aware about it, so I'm actually keen to, to hear what you guys have to say about it. So, you know, become more proactive and, you know, deploy the tools that help you solve that problem, you know, end to end. So we're also gonna see, I think, a convergence in terms of tools that will be used to satisfy private privacy concern, as well as tools that will help you with data and information protection programs. So we have to protect the business, but we also have to protect the privacy of the individual. You should be able to pay your mortgage bill online from work without the, the business spying in on you, if you will. Tough balance. Are you seeing any maturization here, Phil or Mike? I'll open this one up. We'll go with Phil. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll actually let Mike take that one. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Sure. Uh, you know, I was just going to start and say, you know, I think I like the idea of this prediction here, which is that the that there will be maturity. What I'm skeptical of is is how much how much maturity will actually come in 2020. Um, I think there's I think there has been a movement, particularly in government, toward protecting some of that high value data and recognizing where they have PII. Um, you know, I think especially with what we've seen from Iran the last couple of weeks, and there's um, a lot of attention on a potential cyber attack from Iran that folks have said, hey, we want to make sure that that information that we value the most is the most buttoned up and most, uh, most locked down. But I would still argue that 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 we're still in the pretty early stages of that, and especially when we're talking about privacy on a much broader scale, um, I think there's going to have to be some kind of I don't even know what it would look like, but some kind of major catastrophe before this kind of legislation and and agencies really move at a at a fast rate to to change their current practices. Yeah, this, this is a hard one, and I, I agree. I don't see this moving overnight. Right now in the news, we see Apple and the FBI and, and even President Trump in the U.S. here fighting over unlocking iPhones. We've got the same tension within government organizations that I visit. You know, the, the, they don't have chief privacy officers today, but they do have an office of general counsel, which carries a very, very heavy stick. And unless it's classified information, yeah, they, they they tend to be very risk adverse, and, and when I say risk adverse, nobody wants to fight the office of general counsel, right? Let me ask you a question then. You know, from you know the, the guy sitting on the other side of the pond, you know, sitting kind of in Europe, you know, or if you consider you know Switzerland part of part of Europe. Yeah, we, we will uh, today. Go ahead. We, we will today, right? I mean, we said last year in the predictions from you know 2019, you know that you know privacy is going to make a comeback, right? And you know, I think we're pretty right on that one, but. If you look at it from a, from a government vantage point, isn't the job of the government to protect the citizens, right? And, you know, in, previously it was physically, right? You need to make sure kind of, you know, uh, to protect life, you know, for the lack of a better term, you know, it's like, you know, how do you save life? How, how, how do you provide safety and security? And they do it in many ways. I mean, if you look at FDIC with the banks, they protect you at the bank. So there are many ways, yes, that is the job of the government. So the question is, <coughs> excuse me, is, you know, People now also have a digital life, 
you know, and that digital life is embedded into government systems. You know, I think in the US you are, you know, you are part of the DMB, you've got social security numbers, you've got all those things, right? So isn't right. there also kind of a drive from the citizens and the expectation that the government not just protects or provides you know, safety and security in the real physical world, but also for the, the PII data the government, you know, holds on all of us, because once the data is out there, it's out there, you know, you know, it's, well, it's, it it's is can remove, right? It, it is, but there are other factors. I mean, we can look at the OPM breach, right, where we outsource the protection of. We we would argue probably some of the most critical data the country has. You know, so there are cost pressures, there are public privacy. So so what's more important, protecting the data of the citizens, um, which is hard to hard to capture, hard to measure, or protecting the privacy of the employees and agents and contractors in an agency where we're not we're not looking at their every move. We're not capturing every keystroke, every thought, right? And there's that balance. And that's where I see the tension. Office of General Counsel is aware that the mission of an agency, pick IRS, right, to protect those tax returns from getting out people's social security numbers, income, all that data around them. But I'm not seeing it at the, at the expense of increased observables on employees who might be exfiltrating that data. That's like a near-term target, a near-term threat, and, and they don't want to cross a line in many cases. Phil, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, uh, I think that it's, it's going to be hard to get the federal government to uh, move the needle on this. Obviously, there are, um, you know, state efforts uh, underway. Obviously, California is the most, uh, you know, prominent example of a data privacy law going into effect. And Mike was saying, you know, it's going to take some kind of catastrophe in order to really, um, you know, get significant changes in terms of citizen data privacy uh, moving at the federal level. I don't really know what that disaster could look like after, you know, massive, massive breaches like, um, you know, Equifax. Um, which affected a huge number of Americans. Yeah, 100 so, million plus. You know, so, I, you know, I don't know what more it's going to take to really kind of move the needle on that. And then, you know, this gets into politics because once, uh, you know, you start talking about, um, you know, citizens' data privacy, even if the aim of potential legislation is to ensure that, you know, uh, citizens' data is as, secure and protected as possible, I think that that is going to become a political food fight in Congress um, where, you know, libertarians and, um, you know, folks are going to say, well, you know, I don't want the government touching, uh, you know, any kind of uh, my data because who knows what they're going to do with it. And I don't want them involved. And, you know, uh, I don't really see uh, a lot of movement on this. I think that we should have in this country uh, a law that is similar to GDPR, um, but uh, I don't know realistically how quickly something like that is going to happen. Yeah, I, I see Europe taking the lead on this one, but you know, I, I want to get down. I know we lie to our listeners every week and say 15 minutes or less, but I do want to keep it under an hour. Uh, <laughs> it's been great dialogue. Nico, let's hit the last one. Yeah, last but not least, uh, and not because I came up with it, is, you know, we, we're going to see a shift from, you know, what we call, and the industry has been using for like 
plastic adverse IOCs, indicators of compromise, to you know indicators of behavior, right? So I mean, what what I'm saying here is that you know IOCs are part of your security hygiene. They are part of your security one on one. They are part of your infrastructure play. They still a must do and a must have in any organization, you know, enterprise or government. But it's not enough anymore. You know, if you want to understand the interactions your users, being it your employees, contractors, partners, call desks, you name it, you know, have with any of your data, data that sits you know, internally in the cloud somewhere, you need to look at this intersection, the intersection of user and data and how, you know, the behavioral elements of that, you know, are likely to drive mistakes, compromissions of users, data X fields and so on. So one, one of the prediction is that, you know, CISOs and vendors will, will elevate the conversation from IOCs, from security hygiene, to actually really, you know, having a good understanding of their users, a good understanding of the data they have, and all the interactions, all the actions that people, users, employees, and others have with that data, and not just this in terms of indicators, but also, you know, any external stressors, you know, applying, you know, sentiments and then an P to it, you know, maybe looking at, you know, external stressors that you get as part of background checks, like reputation, but basically, you know, taking behavioral analytics and insider threat technologies to the next level, but not by becoming more intrusive, by respecting people's privacy, we just, you know, spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes on privacy, but enabling them the, to do their work, their best work, but you know, providing a safety net. So that's the, uh, the last one of the five you know, that, that we had on the list for Force Point in 2020. Okay, in the, in the US government, we're seeing this manifest itself in the form of continuous evaluation, right? On the, on the, uh, the people with clearances where we're going to continually look at you, you know, did you, did you have a, a traffic offense or, or a DUI? last month and, and how is how are things going what do you think phil did our cto get it right or did he totally miss the boat here no i think this is totally dead on you know i think that attackers are going to become more sophisticated and leave fewer traces fewer indicators of compromise in systems and networks when they attack you know they're going to they'll clean up injecting noise yeah, they're going to either be cleaning up after themselves or intentionally injecting noise to kind of fool people. Um, and so I do think that moving to a indicator behavior model is going to become more prevalent. Um, and I think that that continuous evaluation part of it is also going to um, become um, more prevalent. So, you know, I was talking with um, the deputy CIO from the Small Business Administration back in October, and he was talking about, you know, using um, AI algorithms to, um, you know, and I think like we talked about last time, this is pretty basic, but, you know, really kind of check in on where people are logging into networks from and seeing if that is anomalous. Um, you know, so the user behavior and the applications that they're using, the data that they're downloading, um, you know, what people are doing inside your network, uh, I do think is going to become what people look to to see whether or not there really is a security threat that they need to keep an eye on.
Now, we, we built a whole company on this. Uh, we're, we're kind of betting the farm here at Force Point. But I, I'll tell you, it's really hard, right? Checking logins. I mean, th- those are a little easier. But really understanding what, what you feel the employee may be thinking or doing or why you're downloading data at night, especially if we look at prediction number four with data privacy thrown into that. It, this is a hard problem to solve. Mike, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think I think this will happen. I'm I'm worried here about the the speed of response on the government side. I think um, we've seen a, a lot across government. Exactly the example that that Phil gave, you know, where you could say, "Hey, this this person is downloading two gigs of data, and they usually only download." you know, to Meg, or this person is, you know, accessing these applications at, a, at an odd time of night or, or even, you know, there's, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the sophistication level is pretty high, even like this, this person's typing pattern is not exactly the way they, they normally type. But I think that's only that that's only identifying someone who may be doing something odd. And, and so I think, I think the impetus will then be on government to to act and say, "Hey, we're now we're going to shut down access. Now we're going to have someone come to your desk or 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 increase monitoring whatever. or something." Right, but there has to be there has to be a next step so that it that what we're not talking about a year from now is, "Oh, here's someone who stole all of these classified records or all of these all of this PII." And then released it, and we saw that it was going on, but we weren't able to do anything in time. There has to be people have to have the responsibility and the authority to act as a way to deter this from happening. Yeah, so most two parts the detection. Be really difficult. Yeah, I agree with it. The detection piece, and then the actual action piece. What are we going to do? The you know, yeah, it's it's tough. Awesome. Well, we got through five of these. I know this was a good bit of, uh, of time here. I, I do have one question for both you and, and uh, Phil, Mike. Um, what did we miss? What would your, if you had to pick one prediction for 2020, what are you expecting to see more of? I know this is off the cuff. What would you expect? Um, the, the, sure. I think one thing that I'm particularly interested in and it's top of mind right now is uh, especially on the defense side, I think what we're going to see more of is um, one state or one bad actor pretending to be another actor you, using the techniques that are known from someone else. So yeah, we see Russia a lot of this is, already. Yeah, yeah, and so I just think that's going to become especially difficult in those um, kind of that fingerprint or that. Uh, that signature that you expect is just going to become increasingly hard to, to um, point attribution to. And, and that makes, um, that creates a lot of problems. Uh, yeah, and, and why not? It's, it's easy enough to do. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Phil uh, prediction. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we talk about a lot about using AI for cybersecurity defense, but I anticipate that we're going to see malicious actors using artificial intelligence-based um, tools to make their attacks um, more sophisticated, more effective, more elusive, um, and um, more able to evade the uh, the defenses that are put up. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a kind of a two-way street, and I expect to see more of that. 
Nico, what do you think? I mean, they have access to pretty much the same technology. We do. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, you know, they, they have access to the same technology stack. So, uh, you know, it's the, the cat and mouse game, you know, is not stopping anytime soon. It's just because I, I think the velocity is increasing, you know, enabled, you know, by the, uh, the tooling, the capabilities that exist, you know, both in terms of technology and in terms of, you know, people who have been trained, you know, being it in nation states or criminal gangs. Yeah. We definitely have a lot of work for all all four of us to do going forward. Gentlemen, I really appreciate it. I could have this conversation all day. I'm I'm fascinated by your views into into what's happened, what's going to happen, and, and what you think. Um, we will definitely get you back on. Nico, thank you for your time. Uh, Phil Goldstein, Senior Editor for FedTech and State Tech, thank you for your time, Phil. And, and Mike, Mike Gruss from uh, Fifth Domain, thank you. Uh, Great episode. To our listeners, please tune in every week. Every Tuesday, we release the uh, latest podcast. Appreciate your comments and your feedback. Apologies from me again for going a little bit over. When you have experts in the room, though, I, I really just love talking to them. And, and Phil, Mike, and Nico were great audience today. So thank you, everybody. Until next week, this is To The Point Cybersecurity. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 